0: All righty, uh, I'm really excited. I've, we uh, it was a couple months ago. Cameron was doing the the series on you know living a s- spirit-filled life, and he at one of our staff meetings said, you know, I want to do a spiritual gifts class, and, and I was excited to say, hey, you know, I'll, i wanna, I want to I want to do that with you because most of the time that I teach, Cameron leaves, and so this was a good opportunity. <laughs> I don't think that's why he leaves. That was a joke. Sorry. Whew. All right, um, anyway, so I want to talk a little bit. I just wanted to do a quick tour of the spiritual gifts, but what I wanted to s- start with was just uh, as I was doing uh, g- planning for this and I was doing some reading and thinking about it, um, what I saw, I just want to start with the, the, the purpose of the gifts, and one place in the scripture where we see this first uh, 1 Corinthians 127 oh. Excellent. Uh first uh, Corinthians twelve seven. I thought it was gonna be work computer. Oh. That's good. I mean there's there's some stuff up there. I, I We're working on that. <laughs> Anybody have the spiritual gift of technology? <laughs> um the, so the purpose of the gifts uh, sorry, is 1 Corinthians twelve seven It uh, says, Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. And so here Paul is saying, you know, the the spiritual gifts are are given so that we can pour into each other, so that the church, the, the members of the church, can can bless and lift up and encourage each other. And so I'm like, oh, that that's great. And in Ephesians 4:11 and 12, it says, "So Christ Himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers, to equip His people for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up." And so here we see Paul again, kind of saying the same thing: We're building up the church. We want this church not just this church building but i believe the greek word is ekklesia the the gathering the church it doesn't necessarily mean the the building but it means you know the the people the gathering together um ekklesia i learned that and so so my question was all right well then what is if we're supposed if the spiritual gifts are given to build up the body what is the what's the purpose of the body and so I believe that we see the answer in verse 13 of Ephesians chapter 4. And so again it says, Ephesians 4:13. I won't reread 11 and 12, but it says, "...until we're building up the church, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ." And so the church is being built up until we reach that full measure of what Christ is. And I think it's interesting, and I haven't really figured this out, but just a couple verses earlier, this is is just, you know, you can think on this. It says, uh, talking about Jesus, He who ascended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Jesus is filling the whole universe. And then three verses later, it's saying we're being built up into the fullness of Christ. And so, like, that is, that's pretty crazy. That's big. That's that's a large fullness. So, a large level of fullness. And so, so, we're to attain the whole measure of Christ. And so the spiritual gifts aren't just so that we can just kind of hang out in the love of God and we can just kind of do our little gift and it's cool and we feel better about ourselves. But, you know, I believe that there's something more. You know, there's something more. Why are we supposed to get attain this spiritual maturity? Why are we supposed to have this level of fullness? And I believe the answer is that so that we can live... The great commandment, and we can fulfill the great commission. You know what? That is what the purpose of the body is. You know, we want to see numeric growth and we want to see spiritual growth. And I believe that that is the purpose of the spiritual gifts. Not just so we can hang out as a little group of people and we can be happy, though that's good and that's important. But man, Jesus gave us a mission. And I believe that. Over the last couple of years, more and more and more, I am doing pretty well in the the Great Commandment. I love Jesus more now than I ever have in my life. But you know, what, there's still there's something inside me that says, you know, I'm not doing a fantastic job at the great the Great Commission. I'm not going out into all the world and preaching the gospel. It kind of scares me, you know. But More and more, I just, I am passionate about that. And I believe that as a church, you know, our mission, not, not only just as individuals, but as a church is to go out and to preach the gospel to all the world. We as a church, we as New Day Community Church need to preach the gospel to Kalamazoo and Portage. And it's not just the people that are really excited about you know, sharing the news of Jesus. It's the people that make coffee. It's the people that run the soundboard. It's the people that greet people at the front door. You know, that we are a body and we all have different parts as it, it talks about in 1 Corinthians. We all have these different gifts, we these different abilities, and each one, the purpose of it is to reach the lost. Okay? And so, and it kind of, I kind of had this idea that, you know, if your gift is to Okay, this is kind of a cooking analogy. Okay, this is a cooking analogy. So if your gift is to add eggs to things, you're fantastic at adding eggs to things. There's, and you, But you don't know that the ultimate goal, the ultimate mission is to make a cake. Okay, all you're doing is like, I'm great at adding eggs to things. So you're just kind of walking around breaking eggs. <laughs> you know, it doesn't, there's, you know, it's, it, it's not really as fulfilling you know, you're not like, oh, look at that awesome egg on the sidewalk or, you know, I threw this egg at a house or whatever. You know, yeah, exactly. And so, but if you realize, you want know the ultimate goal is that I want to make a really great cake and I can add eggs to things. And you know what, Cameron's really good at mixing things or, I don't know, I couldn't, I haven't thought it all through, I guess. You know, we, how, how do you make a cake? Somebody's really good at putting things in ovens. Yeah, you know, we need to all find each other. We need to work together so that ultimately we can fulfill what our purpose is. Okay? And so don't think that your gift isn't important because without the baking soda, the cake doesn't turn out too well. I've actually very rarely made a cake. Th- thank you. So... So that is just a little bit of, of lead-in, because that's what that's what I was thinking of when I was looking through the spiritual gifts. I just want to know, what why do we care about the spiritual gifts? So I think that that's why we care about the spiritual gifts. All right, so and these are in no particular order, um, the spiritual gifts. And I'm just going to go through them relatively quickly, but there's, in C. Peter Wagner's book, Your Spiritual Gifts Can Help Grow Your Church, um, there's, a, there's 27 of them. I'm going to actually go over... 24 of them, and I can just touch on the other ones, the charismatic gifts, uh, Cameron's going to talk about more next week. So, the first one that we're going to talk about is the gift of mercy, okay, and the gift of mercy is the special ability that God gives to certain members of the body of Christ to feel genuine empathy and compassion for individuals. Um, I'm not going to read the whole definition, but often you find that the the people with the gift of mercy will kind of engage in a a one-on-one relationship with people who need help. The person with the gift of mercy is looking, they they kind of seek out people that are downtrodden. They're looking for people that are, you know, they're, they're sick or they're prisoners or they're blind or I don't know what the politically correct, you know, mentally challenged people, the shut-ins, elderly people, you know, the people with the gift of mercy, you know, they, they seek these people out and they, they want to help them. Now, we're all called as Christians to be, to be merciful. You know, it's, so, it's important that when we run into a situation where somebody needs help, you know, we need, we're supposed to lend a hand, you know, we're supposed to help out as Christians. But I think the difference being that the person with the gift of mercy is seeking that out. They want to find those people that need help. So gift of mercy is very important and probably, you know, a a high percentage of people in the church have the gift of mercy, at least compared to, you know, some of the other gifts like um, prophet or evangelist. Those are kind of a a smaller percentage gift. But anyway, so that's the gift of mercy. And again, I'm going to go over these kind of quickly. uh, But if you have any questions or, you know, you want some clarity, just grab me or grab Cameron afterwards and we can we can clear that up. Uh, The second gift uh, that I want to talk about is the gift of helps. This is another uh, kind of one-on-one gift, but the person with the the gift of helps, let me just touch on the definition, Uh, this is a special ability that God gives uh, to invest the talents they have in the life and ministry of other members of the body. And this, this again, is often a a one-on-one gift, but the, the recipient of... The, the help or the of the person would be maybe another Christian, and so you're helping, you know, somebody else to to fulfill their gifting. Okay, I actually I took this this quiz, the the this handout, the the questionnaire years ago, and one of the the gifts that that came up for me was the gift of helps. And as a young Christian, I was not excited about that at all. Like I. Like I wanted, I wanted to get on a platform and get a spotlight and look at me. I'm I'm pretty super cool Christian. Okay, sorry, I had a little bit of pride, but but luckily, you know, God God has God has worked through a lot of that. And I believe that now one of my gifts is is the gift of help. And I've really grabbed onto that. I came on staff here at the church uh, earlier in the summer, and I tell you what, I'm really excited about just you know, doing whatever I can to help Cameron out, you know, because I want Cameron to fulfill his mission. I want Cameron to be able to to do his gifts really well. And if there's something that I can do, you know, to make it easier for him, I'm excited about doing it. Or when I went down to uh, I w- was uh, doing worship at Dwell, our college and career Uh, ministry that the the Gerbers run in Kalamazoo. You know, I went down there to to lead worship and, but, and what God did was he kind of birthed this heart in me to want to see these other worship leaders succeed. He just gave me a heart for Anthony, and I'm just like, you know, I just want Anthony to be the greatest worship leader that he can be. You know and I don't care if I never get up on that stage again. I don't care if nobody knows that I can sing and play guitar. What I want to do is see this guy be amazing because he has gifts, and he has abilities, and I can see them, and I want to do what I can to pour into that. And so the gift of helps, I think, is really, really important. I think uh, Tori, here at the church, also has the gift of helps, you know, just doing what she can kind of behind the scenes, making this church run, making it operate smoothly. Yeah? Yeah, I think
1: the gift of helps is one of the most important and necessary gifts in the church. Because, you know, if, if we don't have people helping... Uh, attain the vision of everybody. Just wants their own thing. You just have cash. You don't produce anything. So coming along and helping is not a small gift. It's it's one of the most honored, and you'll get the biggest reward. The person yeah. who helps often gets a bigger reward. So, yeah, it's fant- it's really needed.
0: Very important. So if if you're like me and you're like, ooh, I'm not very excited about the gift of helps, just repent, and just just start helping. So and. The next gift that kind of goes along with these other two, it's kind of a little package here, is the gift of service. And the gift of service is the special ability that God gives certain members of the body of Christ to identify unmet needs involved in a task related to God's work. All right, and so this is a person that maybe is not so much kind of one-on-one helping, but they're going to come into to New Day and they're just going to do whatever it takes, you know. Like Herman's been coming in the last few weeks and, you know, he's climbing ladders and, you know, hanging cords on the ceiling and him and I were cutting down trees and he's just coming in He's like, you know, whatever needs to get done around here, I'll just do it. And Herman's got a gift of service and it's amazing. Also there's a there's a men's group, you know, Mark Yurdy runs the men's group, and just this gift of service, this this willingness to go, hey, what needs to get done? You know, and maybe not and so you see the difference from the helps is like maybe kind of one-on-one and service is like, hey, I'm just going to help this organization succeed. And so these three gifts are just kind of, they can be behind the scenes. They're not necessarily up front and center, but they're so important. such a vital role. You know, there's, there's no gift that's less important. It's not like a person with a gift of service is less important than the evangelist or the preacher or the teacher. You know, in 1 Corinthians Paul talks about, you know, the I can't say, man, because I'm not a nose, I'm not an important part of the body, or because I'm not a hand, you know, I, you know, I'm not as important. You know, that's just not true. Every single part is important. All right. Great. So the next gift is the gift of teaching. Uh, the gift of teaching is the special ability that God gives to certain members of the body of Christ to communicate information relevant to the health and ministry of the body in such a way that others will learn. So, and so, in su- that's, that's important that when, when you teach, when you talk to people, people learn, you know? And, I, and so if you teach and nobody learns, maybe this isn't your gift. So, yeah. So, hopefully you guys are learning. Anyway. Um and so there can be different varieties of this gift uh that all people with the gift of teacher don't look the same some people might be great at relating to children some people might be great at talking to great big groups of people or just one on one it can look like a lot of different things but just being able to pour out information and and teach people things you know I I believe I'm hoping I I really enjoy teaching and so I'm, I I and as I took my little quiz, teaching was one, one of my uh, dominant or subdominant gifts, one of those. And, um, and I really enjoy it. But we've got a, a bunch of amazing teachers here in the church. Cameron is amazing. Graham McKegg, great teacher. You know, when, when they teach, people learn. And they, they, have, they just have this ability to pour out information. And it, it's great. And so, gift of teacher. And there's lots of opportunities. Just because you can't get on a, in a pulpit... And, you know, preach to a church doesn't mean that you can't use this gift if it's yours. There's lots of opportunities between small groups, Sunday school, you know, whatever. There's ways to, to use the gift of teaching outside of the pulpit. Absolutely. All right, the gift of pastor. Um, this is the special ability that God gives to certain members of the body of Christ to assume a long-term personal responsibility for the spiritual welfare of a group of believers. And like like Cameron touched on, the pastor is not hired to do all the the ministry of the church. You know, pastor Cameron cannot do he can't have this personal responsibility for the spiritual welfare of every single person in the church. And so the gift of pastor, like he said, isn't just, you know, I'm the head of a church. But it's, you know, if you have this kind of desire, just like you just, I just love people. I just want to see people grow. I want to pour into people's lives. There's a good chance that you have the, the gift of, of pastor. And so it's different, the gift and, and the office. But Cameron kind of already touched on that. Now, Sean Clinton, boom, boom, he's still here. <laughs> uh, Sean, uh, I met, had coffee with him uh, a week or two ago, and as we were talking, you know, he told me he had a prophetic word that, uh, about being a shepherd, you know, and shepherd is what pastor means, you know, it's, uh, and so, and Sean's not currently on staff at a church, you know, he's not pastoring uh, a local body, but he can fulfill you know, that role, that, that call on his life, he can kind of experiment with this and go, you know, is this my spiritual gift? Is this something that I'm going to be able to walk in? You know, by just taking responsibility for the, the spiritual welfare of the people that God has put around him. You know, people down at Dwell, and he helps me teach a Sunday school. He's got opportunity to pastor people without being on staff. Excellent. Good? Am I going too fast? You guys are good. All right. The next gift is the gift of exhortation, and this is a gift to minister words of comfort, consolation, encouragement, counsel to other members of the body in such a way that they feel helped and they feel healed. And similar to the, the gift of pastor, this is a like a, a people-focused gift. You know, you're passionate about people, and it often can be used in a one-on-one setting, or it can be used. You know, as a, you know somebody that's teaching can use this gift. A, a preacher can use this gift. Uh, it can look it can look different. Um, but it isn't necessarily like like pastors. This kind of I want to have this kind of long term care for these people. But the gift of encouragement uh, isn't so commit exhortation, exhortation. Yeah, excuse me. Uh, it's it's not necessarily as long term. You know, can, you can kind of come in and give your encouraging words, and you can exhort people and lift them up. And uh, Seth and Sarah, I think, are amazing. They have this this gift of exhortation. It just like pours out of them, you know. It's amazing. And when I was down at uh, uh, serving serving at Dwell with them, I, there's just that the whole idea of exhortation and encouragement and uplifting. It just permeates that place. And I feel like I just kind of... Like, I just got a bit of that. And I don't know if it's one of my spiritual gifts, but man, I love it. And I just see myself walking in it more and more. I just focus on it. You know, and I just enjoy just finding things in people's lives and just speaking into their lives and saying, you know, you're really great at X. you know, you're a great worship leader. You should just step into that. You know, you really, you know, don't 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 be scared because you've really got something. You know, and just and it doesn't necessarily mean that I'm going to walk with them down that whole road. But I just want to encourage them and exhort them to run after what God has for them, and then I'm gonna then I'm gonna move on. Okay. Excellent. Barnabas was an encourager, an exhorter. I guess I guess I kind of using exhortation and encouragement together, similar. We'll go with that. All right. Um, the gift of administration uh, is the ability to understand clearly the immediate and long-range goals of a particular unit of the body of Christ, and to devise and execute effective plans for the accomplishment of this goal. And in in the book, C. Peter Wagner gives this kind of interesting analogy or this interesting picture, and he talks about the, the Greek word for administration is the nautical word for the ship's captain. And, you know, the captain is the person in charge of getting the ship uh, to its destination. And I was like, oh, that's kind of crazy, because you'd think that the pastor would be the would be the captain, but what he 's saying is that the past the pastor and we 're talking about the the office of pastor here is more of kind of the ship 's owner all right and they're kind of he 's directing where the ship is supposed to go, and the administrator kind of carries out that makes the, the, yeah they make it happen, so I thought that was pretty good um, interesting, so the administrator you know they they make things. They make things work. Tori is the administrator here. She does a great job, you know, she overseeing kind of the business matters of the church. And so if that's your gift, it's very important, you know, communicating with people, with the staff, and doing phone calls and emailing and making sure all that kind of stuff happens. All right? Uh, Yes, please. One
1: thing is, like, part of what Tori does is actually the gift of service because she's just implementing a lot of... She's serving... The the organization and administration is understanding the goals and the, you know, more big picture and getting it done. Of course, they overlap, but, um, you know, a lot of people think administration means secretary, and it doesn't. Uh, Administration would be more like CEO. All right? That's
0: good. Thank you. Um, The next gift we're just going to touch on... I don't know when I started. I don't know where I'm at. Anyway, we're good. The gift of faith uh, is the special ability that God gives to some members of the body of Christ to discern with extraordinary confidence the will and purpose of God and the future of his work. And this is a, a quote from, from the book, that The Gift of Faith, the people with this gift are goal oriented, possibility thinkers, undaunted by circumstances, suffering, or obstacles. They can trust God to remove mountains, as in 1 Corinthians 13, 2 indicates. You know, and so these people are, they're these visionary people that are just willing just to, they're just going to step out and they just know that God has called them to this. And even though everybody else, it looks ridiculous, you know, the person with the gift of faith is just going to step out and they're going to do it. Um. Uh, the The Bible story of Noah, like this guy has some pretty spectacular faith you know he 's living here there 's no water there's you know it 's not raining and he 's building this gigantic boat and i 've seen Evan Almighty, so I know <laughs> i I can step into that. I know what Noah went through you know because i th- I think it 's brilliant I think it 's a great movie, so should be mandatory. should put that in our discipleship program let 's think about that. <laughs> <laughs> Make a note of that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and so, now, we all, as Christians, obviously, we we have to walk in faith. You know, we all you know, have the fruit. Is it a fruit? I don't know. I don't know what it is. It's a thing. It's a thing. It's a gift. It's a gift of faith. Anyway, we all are supposed to be faith. We all have faith in Jesus. We all trust God. You know, we all, you know, lean on on him for our salvation. You know, we all have faith, but the person with the gift of faith is crazy. crazy. (laughs) Um, How's that? (laughs) So, and I think that the, the person with the gift of faith would want to kind of be careful of gift projection, you know, you know, you don't want to, you know, like, oh, I'm just believing, I'm just building this boat and, you know, God's going to make it rain and the whole world's going to be destroyed. Man, I can't believe Cameron's not building the boat. What's wrong with him? You know, the, you don't want to do that, that gift protection because just because God has called you to something, you know, doesn't mean that God has called uh, your neighbor, the person that you know, you know, somebody else in the church is not, not necessarily calling you to the same thing. Anywho, the gift of leadership. Uh, It's a gift uh, to set goals in accordance with God's purpose for the future and to communicate these goals to others in such a way that they voluntarily and harmoniously work together to accomplish those goals for the glory of God. Now, as, as gifts that are important for senior pastors, pastor, like Cameron said, might not be an important or a needed gift for that that role. But I believe that the gift of leadership is one of the crucial gifts uh, if you're called to, to pastor a church. And we are blessed uh, that, that Cameron has been given this gift of leadership. And Cameron is a visionary. Cameron knows where he's going and he's he knows how to draw people around him. Because he knows that he can't do everything on his own. He knows that he doesn't have all the gifts that are necessary to get the church from where we are now to where we're going. But he knows where we're heading. And the, the, the person with the gift of leadership can can draw people in and kind of energize people about what the vision is, what the purpose is. He brings those people together and they can work together towards the goal. That make sense? Okay. Do-do-do-do. That was quick. Nine, really? good. All right. The gift of giving. The gift of giving is the special ability that God gives to certain members of the body of Christ to contribute their material resources to the work of the Lord with liberality and cheerfulness. Now, this is a this is another one where there's we as Christians have a role to give. We are all called to give. The Bible, you know, says that you know calls us to to give part of our income to the Lord. And I believe that the minimum of that that God calls us to is 10%. You know, I believe that's the minimum. But the person with the gift of giving is going to be much more extravagant. You know, they're going to give excessive amounts perhaps. The book uh, gives an example of this Texas uh, company owner guy that gives like 90% of his income to the church. And he's just, I mean, that's pretty extravagant. You know, he lives on 10% and he's still wealthy. He still does really well, but he just wants to give. And he just has this heart, just this passion to give to to the work of God. And it doesn't have to be a wealthy person. Jesus talks, you know, the, the widow's might, the, the widow who... Put in just a couple coins at, at the temple. You know, he said, that, you know, she gave more than the guy who gave a whole bunch because she gave out of her lack. She gave everything that she had. You know, she was willing just to pour that into God, and just she probably had the gift of giving. So, so I encourage you all just to practice that, exercise that. Just give us, give the church your next paycheck, and just see what happens. It's a joke. That's a joke.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, 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 uh. Uh, <laughs> everyone I've known that has the gift of giving ends up being the wealthiest pe- wealthiest people I I know because they give crazy, but God, you cannot outgive God. And uh, I know several individuals that have committed their lifetime. They start at twenty percent, okay, and then they give more than that. And it's just, it's fun to watch. You can't talk about them, you know, because it's their business, but without fail, they're the wealthiest people. They have more than they need. They're always giving. They're always giving, but they're always getting. It's kind of like, it's like a race and God loves that race.
0: Yeah, finances is amazing to me. It's something that Amber and I really got kind of a a vision for a couple years ago and we... Where she graduated from school, and we weren't, we weren't doing, we weren't very faithful in our giving, but we, we made a decision one morning, just like, you know, regardless of what happens, regardless of where we're at, because our, you know, we make a budget and we're like, man, giving 10%, it doesn't make, it makes no sense, because we can hardly pay our bills anyway. But, and so we start, we're just like, you know, we're just going to make this decision to do it. And then within a few weeks, Amber gets a teaching job in Michigan. And I, I'm not saying that they're necessarily, you know, one led to the other. I, I don't know. But the truth is that we were faithful with our finances and then God blessed us. and And then... I decided to to go to school, and we're like, you know, what? we don't we don't want to take out loans for this. We're, you know, what are we going to do? And Amber was able to find another job, and I was able to find another job. And I talked about this at church a few weeks ago. You know that you know that God has blessed us abundantly through our faithfulness. And maybe you're like, man, I don't really want to work four jobs so we can make it. But you know, this is a season of our life, and this is how God is blessing us. You know, and we are we're pretty comfortable right now, and we're we're you know everything. We're making ends meet. We're paying, you know, paying for school, which is, uh, which is amazing. I used to hear Dave Ramsey talk about, like, if you're going to go back to school, you should pay cash for it. I'm like, that's dumb. That's ridiculous. Nobody, nobody can do that because Amber was going to school and there's no way we could have done that. Anyway, but God is faithful. You know, as we stepped into that and we, and we just made the decision to do it, God has taken care of us and it, I don't know, gift, giving. Good, good, good thing to do. Anyway, the gift of voluntary poverty. Uh, This is the ability that God gives to certain members of the body of Christ to renounce material comfort and luxury and adopt a personal lifestyle equivalent to those living at the poverty level in a given society in order to serve God more effectively. Now, this does not go hand-in-hand with the gift of giving. Because like Cameron said, a lot of times people that have the gift of giving are, are very wealthy, but people with the gift of voluntary poverty choose to kind of live at that poverty level so that they can minister more effectively to, to those people. Okay? Um, they're in not a real popular one these days. but we could you know, we should we could try that one. <laughs> Let's experiment. Let's experiment with poverty.
1: <laughs> yeah, involuntary poverty counts. <laughs> um,
0: I don't know if I have much more to say on that.
1: Yeah, uh, Mother Teresa you know, would be a great example. Uh, she lived with the poor. I do know people that do this. That's to live without distraction of material goods. And it
0: demonstrates that God shows up in a poor lifestyle. Yeah.
1: yeah. Uh, it, he's, it, it doesn't take stuff. you know. And we're such a materialistic... Society. Actually, we need some more people that are willing to live this way. You know, it's the opposite of the name and claim it. You can live with nothing. And, pr- yeah. and there's a lot, you know, go, if you want to meet some, go, go to a YWAM base. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, most YWAMers are voluntary poverty. And they travel all over the world and do great things. They have, they're penniless. A lot of missionaries.
0: So, yeah, missionaries. Yeah. yeah, that's good. The next, the next gift is the uh, gift of Apostle. And this one, I actually, I talked to Cameron about it the other day because I just didn't get it. So this is the gift of apostle. It's just a word that you never use. It's just, oh, I thought I I I made a mistake and I thought that's unlikely. Um, uh, so the gift of the apostle is the gift to assume and exercise general leadership over a number of churches with an extraordinary authority in spiritual matters that is spontaneously recognized and appreciated by those churches. Um, what Cameron called a, a leader of leaders. We went up to Res Life in Granville uh, a few months ago uh, and with all the, the Res Life leaders. And there's just a bunch of pastors. I think they all probably ran had their own churches or they were all pastors. pastors And it was you know, so they're all all leaders and and one guy was was kind of leading the meeting and but there's Dwayne Vanderclock, who is kinda old he's the he started Res Life in Grandville and has planted all these churches. He there's a point in the meeting where he started to speak and everybody just stopped and just focused on him, just waiting to see what he w- had to say. It was crazy. It was really cool. I, I actually really like Dwayne Vanderklay. I've never met him, but I've, I've heard him speak and sat in that, in that room with him. And there's just something about him that there's, he has this authority and this uh, ability to, to speak, just this kind of clear message. I just understood what he was saying, you know. And he's just bringing, he just leads all these other leaders. Really, really impressive.
1: Yeah, and it wasn't out of charisma, because he's, he's completely laid back and unassuming. But when he stood up, you know, everybody listened. There was no question who was an authority. Yeah. <laughs> it was cool.
0: He's, it was cool. I like I liked him. So, yeah, so the gift of the apostle, we might know, like uh, Bill Johnson, uh, or John Arnott uh, from Toronto, you know these are people who oversee you know multiple churches that would be the gift of apostle i don 't know how you would find out how do you experiment we 're going to talk next week about how to find your spiritual gifts, and one of the one of the ways is experimentation but i don 't know how you would experiment to find that one anyway you could just try try starting a bunch of churches There we go. I figured it out okay. Mm, okay. All right, never mind. Scratch that. <laughs> okay. Unsc- unscratch. Okay. Um, the gift of missionary is the special ability that God gives to some members of the body of Christ to minister whatever their spiritual gifts are in a second culture. Um, so this probably doesn't need a lot of explanation, but somebody that, in our church that has the gift of missionary is Graham McKegg. Uh, a couple... I mean, it was a number of years ago when we went to Morocco. It was it was amazing. Like I'd been Graham's friend uh, for a couple years at that point, and I liked him. We got along great. And we, we played pool together in my basement. We had, we had a lot of good times. and But there's something about being in that country with him. We're in Morocco, and I'm like a fish out of water, completely uncomfortable. have no idea what I'm doing or where I'm going. But Graham is just like walking around like he owns the place. He's like talking to people in French and getting tabs and, and like doing all this stuff. And, and there's just something in him. You could the, It was like he was almost, I don't want to say he was bigger, but he was like, he was full like he was ex- he was walking in his gift he was walking in in what he was called to do you know and it was awesome just like it was like I just want to follow him I just I'll do anything he asked me to do right now it was really it was really cool and so just that the the ability to to be in a culture that maybe is you know a second culture to you not the place where you grew up but the ability just to kind of be comfortable in that place you know, uh, obviously, Paul the apostle had the gift of missionary. He was able to go and minister to the Gentiles, which is which I found out as I was doing some study was maybe everybody knows this, but it like that racial division between the Gentiles and the Jews was incredible. You know, I just watched The Help. Anybody seen that movie? The Help. I- it's really good and so it kind of showed this picture of like you know here's the the black people that are the servants or whatever and then here's the white people and there's this this tension and it, for me like I knew that that happened but I thought the movie did a really good job of kind of depicting that and I was like oh I kind of I kind of saw it in a new light but apparently from what I was reading the the division between Jew and Gentile was was even more than that. Like, they didn't, you know, there's the story of the Good Samaritan. They didn't even want to cross the street. They wouldn't even look at the, at the, the Jews wouldn't even look at the Samaritans. They didn't eat with them. They just, they were, like, the Samaritans weren't even, you know, they weren't even people, you know? And so there's this huge division. But, and so in that light going, you know, Paul was able to enter into that. He was able to break through. And he, you know, did some amazing things as he, as he ministered to the Gentiles and, you know, and so, the gift of missionary. No. Good. All right. The gift of evangelism is the special ability that God gives to certain members of the body of Christ to share the gospel with unbelievers in such a way that men and women become Jesus disciples and responsible members of the body of Christ. Um, yeah. So the gift of evangelism. I think we can we kind of have an idea of what that is in in the in the book. By Wagner, he talks about this pastor uh, of a church in Fresno, California, who is giving advice for people to see if they have the gift of evangelism. And his first piece of advice was: Do you have a strong desire to share your faith with others? You know, do you personally enjoy sharing your faith with other people? You know, if that is true, if you do like sharing, you know, your faith, you know, you probably have. There's a good chance you have the gift of evangelism. You know, because honestly, for me, that kind of freaks me out. Like, I'm, a, I don't know what, you know, what's that going to do? Are they going to get mad? Are they going to think I'm weird? You know, so I don't think that that's necessarily one of my gifts. Um, and the second piece of advice was, do you see results? You know, when you share the gospel with people, are people getting saved? That's another good clue that you. Uh, have the gift of evangelism, but in uh, just a second ago I said, you know, I don't think I have the gift of evangelism. But does that excuse me from from sharing the gospel with people around me? You know, not not at all. You know, we all, as Christians, as followers of Jesus, you know, the last thing he said before he ascended into seven ascended into heaven. Uh, was, you know, go and make disciples of all nations, you know. And so that is our mission. We're all called to that. He didn't say, hey, find the 5% of people in your church that have this gift and send them out, you know. He said, you know, he said, we're all supposed to go. We're all supposed to do it. And so just because we don't have the gift doesn't mean that we are not supposed to walk in the role of evangelism. And I think that can be true in other gifts as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know, I I agree. We had we had. I'm going to keep talking about Sean Clinton. Who loves Sean Clinton? I do. There he is. <laughs> yeah, Sean uh, definitely has this gift, and we had him come to whoa, youth group a couple of weeks ago, and just him talking about his, you know, his. I don't know, his stories about going into Bronson Park and, and talking to people and, you know, doing this stuff. It just stirs you up and you're like, I can do that. I want to do that. I want to see what God will do in my life, you know. And so Sean's got this gift and as he shares it, you know, he just stirs other people up. So good job, Sean. Well done. Um, all right. Moving quickly. Um, I wanna, I'm just going to touch, the next two I'm just going to touch on really quickly, um, the gift of knowledge and the gift of wisdom. Next week, Cameron is going to talk a little bit more in depth uh, about the kind of the, the charismatic side of these gifts, but in Wagner's book, he talks about the gift of knowledge uh, as, you know the ability to discover and accumulate and analyze and clarify information and ideas that are pertinent to the growth and well being of the body. So a lot of times we'll hear of a you know word of knowledge as, you know, in kind of that prophetic sense, like God gives you a word of knowledge for somebody else. But what Wagner was talking about was just that ability to to learn. Okay? And People with this gift, they, they are just they're just superior learners. And I think of Graham. You know, the guy is addicted to going to school, and he's just passionate about about learning, and he wants to grow. And I'm I'm going to Cornerstone right now, and Anthony Davis is in in my class, and this this guy just blows me away. Like his ability to retain information, and just the way he processes things and, and thinks through things, it's like I I like I have. I feel like I'm not even reading the same book he is. All right, and it, it's really, really impressive. And he's just, he's quick. He's it's amazing. So I think he's got this gift of knowledge, just that ability to to learn. And like Cameron was talking about, you know, he can read a book and just he understands what it's saying. You know, he gets the purpose of it. And me, it take, it takes me a little bit longer. You know, I have to digest. I have to read things a couple times to really kind of figure it out. And so the gift of knowledge pray that I get that because that would make my life a lot easier. A lot easier. Wisdom. (laughs) Cameron, hurry up. Uh, Wisdom, the special ability that God gives uh, to know the mind of the Holy Spirit in such a way as to receive insight into how given knowledge may best be applied to specific needs arising in the body of Christ. So just the ability to to see maybe how things are going to work out. You know, this doesn't... It doesn't... Mandate, uh, you know, education. You don't, you know, you don't have to be super educated to have the gift of wisdom, but just this kind of supernatural ability to kind of see how things are going to work out. That's what uh, Wagner was talking about there with the gift of wisdom. All right, next, the gift of celibacy. Um, yay, celibacy. <coughs> uh, <laughs> uh, so. <laughs> Mm. Um. Oh. Uh, uh, yep. What does that mean? Does that mean? Uh, the gift to remain single and enjoy it, to be unmarried and not suffer undue sexual temptations. So, what do you get? What do you have?
1: Well, just that it doesn't mean that a person that uh, has a gift of celibacy doesn't have sexual feelings. Uh, but they are able to, and they 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 are called to a life that doesn't uh, use, you know, just doesn't. Uh, they, they surrender that and live obedient. And they they may have sexual feelings, but they don't fulfill those sexual feelings uh, because they believe they're called to live single, and and they can do more, uh, and they're able to do that without falling into sin, without being overcome by you know, constantly dealing with that. And so, yeah. you know, the Catholic Church requires that of all priests, but that's one of the problems because a lot of the priests don't have the gift of celibacy. And so they end up, you know, making mistakes. And, uh, um, you know, it is a genuine gift. God does call some people to, uh, uh, to live in it. And, he, and then sometimes you're just in that position where you're unmarried um, that you need to operate on the gift uh, and, and live right. that way. And you're still fulfilled but you just don't have a sexual part of your life. is, right. is surrendered.
0: Yeah. yeah. I, I think it's interesting. Now, I, re- I, love, I love my wife. I love my family. But there, there are times when you think that, well, if I didn't, like, I have to pay a pretty good chunk of attention to these people. Like, I have to take care of them and make sure that they eat and we have a house and take care of things. Like, if I didn't have to deal with that, Man, this—you know—I could just run after God, you know, like almost every moment of my life, you know. And so I, th- I think as, you know, as a young person looking at the gift of celibacy, you're like, no, I would never, I would never want that. But I think that there's something, you know, there's something, about, there's a, there's something there that, you know, if that is something that God has called you to, it's a real opportunity, you know. And He talks about it somewhere. About you know just you know you know because Paul had the gift of celibacy and you know just like oh, if everybody could be like me you know just you know we could just really run after run after the things of God and so anyway for what that's worth the gift of martyrdom yay, yay martyrdom I, yeah I saved some great ones for the end we're going to be experimenting with martyrdom at the end of the class <laughs> so get Cameron's reciprocal saw and. <laughs> Um, so, this is the ability to undergo suffering for the face, even to death, while consistently displaying a joyous and victorious attitude that brings glory to God. And the book, uh, this is a quote from the book, it says that it's broader than just dying for your faith. It's an attitude towards suffering and death that is unusual. You know, and just, you know, when death is imminent, but it's possible to escape. You know, the person that has the gift of martyr might choose to stay and die for their faith as, opposing to, as opposed to leaving and living. So, I don't know. Cameron has the gift of martyr. I don't know. Do you? He might. We'll find out. <laughs> Sorry. That was funny to me. Just me. Only me. So, he probably doesn't. He's probably fine. Oh, wow. Yes.
1: yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, it also can manifest in that you're not afraid to go into dangerous places. Right. You know, you're, you're willing to die. And the word, you will be my witnesses in Acts, is you will be my martyr- martyrs. That's the oh. same Greek word. And all of them that he said hmm. that to were martyrs except for John. Uh, and so uh, it's part of being a witness, being willing to die and not afraid, kind of hopeful.
0: Yeah. You know, I was just reading um, in Wikipedia, which Amber says doesn't count, that you can't get information from Wikipedia, but I was reading about William Tyndale. You guys know about William Tyndale? He was the first guy to uh, translate the, the Bible into... English, so that normal, regular people could read it, and the church was furious. what What'd I say? yeah, normal, regular English people,, come, come. No. well, I certainly don't think the Bible should be in anything but English It's a joke, yeah. <laughs> All right. So, anyway, so so he translates the Bible into English, and like the church is really mad at him, and they they kill him, they kill him because he translated the Bible so that people could read it. You know, and that I I, I didn't I actually didn't know that I just heard somebody in a sermon like mention William Tyndale, and I'm like I should know who that is, and uh, it's just an amazing story. And he, and, he, and they're like you need to stop this, and his his quote was you know I. I want the the plowboy to know more of the scripture than you do. And I'm not going to stop. That's not, this is kind of a rough translation. And I'm not going to stop until that happens. And so they killed him. So, gift of martyr. And, um, but, I mean, how has that changed, you know, the world? Yeah, it says that the, the, the King James Version of the Bible, you, over 50% of the King James Bible was Tyndale's translation. You know, it was amazing. So, anyway... Uh, the last one that I'm going to touch on is the gift of intercession. Uh, and this is the special ability that God gives to certain members of the body of Christ to pray for extended periods of time on a regular basis and see frequent and specific answers to their prayers to a degree much greater than that which is expected from the average Christian. Um, and so this is Wagner's profile of an intercessor. They pray longer than most. Um, they pray with more intensity. They enjoy prayer more and get great personal satisfaction from praying. They see frequent and dramatic answers to their prayers and they hear from God more regularly and accurately. You know? And so just because you don't have the gift of intercession doesn't mean that you should stop praying. We should all pray every day. Um, but the people with this gift, you know, they're just kind of drawn into it and they will just do the you know, kind of extended periods of, of prayer. So, yeah. And so next week, Cameron is going to talk about prophecy. He's going to talk about tongues discernment, uh, words of wisdom and words of knowledge, healing, works of miracles, and the other one, the extra, deliverance, deliverance, um, so I'm not going to go into those five or six, cool, so anybody have any questions on any of those gifts that I went through quickly? Oh, the next one? Yes, um, in this questionnaire there's a list of all of them. And then my second question is Do you, um, I guess the answer is the answer, Steve is
1: one that touched on it, do you go in certain times and then change? Like in seasons of your life, do you change? Absolutely. Oh, Cece yes <laughs> yeah you can, you can be you can flow in one for a season or even for a, an hour you know and the the older I've gotten the more i've grown in in ministry especially you know I just more have developed because I need something and I go to the Holy Spirit and i I develop it and so i can boom 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 and everybody has a capacity i think to flow in certain ones and you can you're really strong in one area, but another season of your life, you're not teaching anymore, but you're serving. And so you just flow in that. Uh, did you have a question? Yeah. Go ahead. Is there a gift of prayer? This intercession. Intercession. Yeah, and people. Be- be- <coughs> no, that, that would fall under the gift of intercession. Oh, we all pray, but intercessors generally don't need to be told to pray. You know, they're already praying. But you know what? People who don't uh, recognize their gift of intercession and act on it end up usually complaining. Okay? People who don't act on their gift of intercession will end up being chronic complainers. All right? And they're constantly seeing all this stuff, and they don't understand why people don't do this, and they're, they're whiners. You know? and the reason they're they they're, and they can do it for hours on end. Or <coughs> <laughs> listen to it. well. this. it's constantly running in their mind. Why doesn't this happen? Why doesn't that happen? So uh, there's whining and whining and whining. And that is actually a gift of intercession. That if they got on their knees and poured out their complaint to God, the world would change. Okay, and I, I grieve the day. That they show up before uh, Jesus in heaven, and he said, I gave you the power to change the circumstance. And instead of uh, interceding and bringing them before the throne, all you did was complain and tear down other people. I'm Sorry, I'm preaching now. You know, think of it. It's power. And so if you see problems, just simply get on your knees and pour it out. And then what happens is when you do that, you get up, and you all of a sudden you don't feel that emotional weight of it. Mm. Because you've yielded it to the Lord and you've actually done something good where if you complain, you just get weighed down all the more. So that's my little insight on intercession. Thank
0: you. Yeah. like wisdom and knowledge usually I think they can be separate, but I think oftentimes you're going to find that the gift of knowledge and the gift of teaching are uh, uh, tied together. Uh, for example, what, what Cameron was saying about, you know, he's, he, learn, he learns quickly and, and he's a great teacher. Now, myself, I, I learn maybe less quickly. I'm not going to say that I don't learn well, uh, but maybe I learn less quickly. But I still, as far as teaching, I, I believe that it's one of my spiritual gifts um, because I, just, I enjoy it um, I, because people... Respond positively when I teach, you know, and so there's there's some kind of check marks to say, okay, this might be one of my spiritual gifts, but the spiritual gifts of knowledge, I don't, you know, I don't know if they necessarily are there and or not. Like
1: uh, a person with a gift of knowledge and wisdom may write the books, and then somebody else teaches from them. It would be an analogy, but they definitely intertwine. Yeah. yeah. This Dan. Mhm. And <laughs> Mhm.
0: Yeah, I think, and I think Cameron touched on this a, a little bit. Um, there's an interesting difference. This book was written, I, I don't know, 20 years ago, and uh, he'll refer to like he t- t- tells a story about his wife, and she's got the gift of deliverance, but man, she really wishes she had the gift of prophecy so she could hear God's voice and know what she's supposed to do. And I'm just like, well, what? Like, don't we don't we all? walk in some level of that gift. And so I was talking to Cameron about that the other day. And as the, the church progresses, as we move into this new kind of prophetic age, we see ourselves entering into more of these spiritual gifts more often. At least that's my takeaway from what, what I've seen in, in the body of Christ. You know, we see people, like the, the kids down at Dwell, you know, they're, they're prophesying, they're praying for healing, you know, they're getting words of knowledge, they're stepping out, they're helping, you know, they're doing all these spiritual gifts. It's not like, oh, Sean's got the gift of evangelism, so he's going to be our evangelist. But no, there's everybody, more and more, walking in kind of that switchblade mentality that Cameron was talking about. I lo- Swiss Army knife. <laughs> right. Switchblade only has one thing that comes out quickly. Anyway, That would be the gift of discernment. Discernment? Yeah.